This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Wake up, America, before it's too late. The Steve Day Show. And greetings. Happy Thursday. Welcome to the Steve Day Show here live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. I am Steve Dace. He is Todd Erzin. He's Aaron McIntyre. And you are you. We appreciate you tuning in no matter how you are doing so, where and when. We appreciate you giving us even a little bit of your very precious time uh, here on this radio program. We will do our best not to waste it. So let's get right to it. Coming up here on the program today, our very first Theology Thursday. That is coming up next hour. That will include an announcement of what will be the next series on Theology Thursday as well. Three non-political questions coming your way. The return of a good friend of the show, Dr. Andrew Bostom, MD, Brown University epidemiologist, with the latest on what continues to be escalating, mounting, unavoidable, devastating data where the jab is concerned. We'll talk to him about that coming up at the bottom of the hour. But before we get to all of that fun and frivolity, let us begin, as we always do, with Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away, brought to you by putting the old dog down. Another batch of classified documents was found to be mishandled by Joe Biden. Those documents found by aides to the president were located at a separate location from the Washington office used after leaving the Obama administration. The White House confirmed all but one of the documents were found in Biden's garage in Wilmington, Delaware. Joe Biden, your thoughts. Classified material next to your Corvette. What were you thinking? Let me, uh, I'm going to get a chance to speak on all this, God willing, soon. But as I said earlier this week, people, and by the way, my Corvette's in a locked garage. Okay, so it's not like you're sitting out in the street. After the U.S. grounded all airlines for the first time since 9-11, not to worry because Rear Admiral Buttigieg is right here. There need to be redundancies and uh, layers and layers of protection here. Uh, This is an incredibly complex system. Uh, So uh, uh, glitches or complications uh, happen all the time, but we can't allow them to uh, ever lead to this level of disruption. As a reminder, here's what Rear Admiral Buttigieg said was his priority when he first took over over as transportation secretary. If an underpass was constructed such that a bus carrying mostly black and Puerto Rican kids uh, to a beach, or there would have been, uh, in New York was was designed uh, too low for it to pass by, but that obviously reflects racism that went into those design choices. South Carolina Republican Congressman Joe Wilson has introduced a resolution which, if passed, would permanently place a bust of Ukrainian greenshirt Vladimir Zelensky in the U.S. House of Representatives. Meanwhile, at the Miss Universe pageant, here's Miss Ukraine. Ukraine! This Warrior of Light costume symbolizes Ukraine's fight for freedom. The Warrior of Light protects her country like Archangel Michael, who is a guardian of soldiers and considered to be the patron of kids. Conspiracy theory update. Here's 7 News in Australia. 
Carolyn Rose is fit, firing and no stranger to a needle. I'm a baby boomer and I've had all my vaccinations in childhood. The 72-year-old from the Gold Coast is serious about her health. I'm passionate about uh, the effectiveness and the, the power of vaccine. So much so she's taking part in a new vaccine trial launched by the University of the Sunshine Coast. If successful, will ultimately help um, participants receive, you know, one dose and that could be potentially covered for all three. A three-in-one Moderna mRNA vaccine designed to battle COVID, the flu and respiratory syncytial virus or RSV all at the same time. Checking in on the UK. 50,000 more deaths in the NHS over the past 12 months. Why is that? Well, all countries are, are looking uh, across Europe, uh, facing a, a similar issue is what is the consequence of the pandemic? Clearly, during the pandemic, there will be some patients uh, who delay treatment, uh, particularly we're seeing some of that play through in uh, pressure on cardiovascular conditions. Benign innocent explanation update. This is from the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics, which is showing a steep rise in the labor force age population with a disability starting in early 2021. I'm just going to leave this graph up for a moment. This is from the Bureau of Labor Statistics. It shows the number of labor force aged people in this country who have a disability. And that severe spike starts right at the beginning of 2021. Meanwhile, in Las Vegas. Family searching for answers after their 18-year-old son unexpectedly collapsed in school last week. Now, it happened January 3rd at the Amplis Academy, which is not too far from Durango and Sunset over in Spring Valley. But the teen passed away a few days later on Sunday. What's not mentioned in that report is that the 18-year-old suffered a cardiac arrest before dying. The U.S. House passed the Born Alive Abortion Survivors Protection Act, which requires babies who survive attempts on their lives in the womb be given medical care. Aaron's Razor update, it's just demonic, bro. 210 Democrats in the House of Representatives believe babies who survive botched attempts on their lives should still be left to die. More on that tomorrow and bleep Lord Nefarious says. And that's what happened while we were away. Aaron's montage brought to you by our friends over at Moink. It's the first time this year we get to talk about the Moink box, which is fantastic grass-fed and grass-finished beef and lamb, pastured pork and chicken, sustainable wild-caught Alaskan salmon, and more. All of it delivered straight to your door, farm to table, fishing rod to table, just the way that our ancestors used to do it, you know, back before we were trying to depopulate people uh, with a system that the Chinese are the primary investors in. Uh, if you want to take advantage of Moink, some of the best meat out there available that also helps keeping going the family farm. They give you one heck of an incentive here. Free filet mignon in every order for a year. That's a pretty good incentive right there. Free filet mignon in every order you make for a year. When you go to moinkbox.com slash Steve. M-O-I-N-K. M-O-I-N-K for moinkbox.com slash Steve. Free filet mignon in every single order for a year. When you go to moinkbox.com slash Steve. We will go now to the montage. Let me just start with this quickly and we'll get it out of the way. South Carolina. Can you give us one, please? Can you give us, can you guys send one person to Washington, please? One. Just, can we get, I'm Chris Rock here. Can I get one red? Can I get one red? Can I get one red? One red out of South Carolina, please. 
Can you give me one red, please? Can we get somebody? When I clicked on the Blaze link last night about the Republican proposing to put a permanent bust of Vladimir Zelensky at the Capitol, imagine my shock and surprise when I had none of it. To read, it was yet another GOP puke from the allegedly red state of South Carolina. Just one. Can you guys maybe just send one to Washington? I think Florida man is getting a raw deal. I think South yeah. Carolina no man question. is the guy we need no, to be no question. About. No, no question. Just, you have a terrible track record in that state of selecting politicians. Again. It's very clear that Operation Corn Pops Gots to Go is underway. Here is what I believe occurred. They absolutely want to perp walk Donald Trump. And they have been plotting it and planning it. Somebody over there inside the swamp slash deep state suggested, you know, we don't want to go through this dalliance. And this, you know, cloak and dagger and this massive presentation of arresting a former president and putting him in handcuffs just to have Tucker Carlson or Steve Bannon the next day with a breaking news story printed at Breitbart or The Blaze. Joe Biden also mishandled and privately distributed classified documents after leaving office. We probably don't want to have that happen to us. So just just in case, just in case, right? If we're going to go through this entire thing, let's just not put it on a T for Fox News here, all right? Let's make sure. Plus, none of us really want corn pop around much longer anyway, all right? So that's what I think is happening here. I think this is nothing other than corn pops gots to go. Get rid of him. Set it up that you have the moral high ground. Remember when you said, what was it, a year ago? Or for 2021? That the one area that they didn't have the moral high ground oh, yeah. was uh, was the George Floyd, uh, mostly peaceful protest funerals, right? Yep. And then when January 6th happened, that gave them the ability to say, no, project what their side does upon us, right? Okay, yep. and milk that thing for all it's worth. I kind of, I thought that was brilliant analysis at the time, Aaron, and it kind of feels like that's what's happening here. He's gots to go. Need to have a full year to figure out who the replacement's going to be or try to see if there's enough people in America dumb enough to believe Kamala Harris can be smart. And you out with the old, in with the new. Not to mention, now we have credibility. Well, it's not a, it's not a witch hunt. Lady Bl- uh, Justice is blind. Lady Justice is blind. We got rid of the Democratic president for the same thing. He had to go for the same thing. That's all that I think is happening here. Thoughts? Well, it's the exact same way he got the presidency in the first yeah. place. They flipped the Why switch I... seventy-two hours before Super Tuesday. Then they flip. Then, then when 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 Trump gave him the opportunity for harvesting ballots, they flipped a switch, and out came the two thousand mules. Right. So, yeah, 
switch got flipped. Nice banana republic you got there. It is. It is. We are a banana republic with excellent cell phone coverage. That's what we are. A banana republic, if you can keep it. (laughs) And we are keeping it. That is great. Do you guys, are there any other counter theories? Do you guys have any other counter theories about what's happening with this? I think they'll, I think like the spirit of the age does, they will somehow, some, some way try to have it both ways at the same time. Take out Joe Biden and perp rock Donald Trump. Oh, I, I agree. If they take him out, whatever you think the odds are right now that Donald Trump is getting perp walked. If Joe goes over this, double those odds, triple them. I mean, in fact, Vegas maybe takes that prop off the board. You know what I'm saying? Because it's just the all the the action would be so one sided. They would this would be the perfect setup for them. They, you know, yeah, yeah, we're gonna we could perp walk him now. We have all the credibility established. We got rid of Corn Pop, the guy that uh, that that uh, won the most secure election of our lifetimes. Uh, we got rid of that guy over the exact same thing. So. Really, it's just our deep abiding concern for the national security of this um, democracy. These are dangers. Dangers to our democracy, guys. Well, that's my only query. Who ultimately is the they that you're talking about? And how far does that go? Beyond the 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 Democratic Party, beyond the borders of this country, who's they? Whoever actually has been running the country for the last, since Joe Biden took over. They're all in Davos right now. And they probably are all in Davos right now, along with Georgia Governor Brian Kemp. So there's that. Um, A list of allies, Chris. <laughs> thinner than my hair, bro. <laughs> all right. Okay. With those topics that we had to address out of the way, we have to talk. I wanted to make sure we had plenty of time to talk about this. Gas stoves? No. This is... I, I've, I, how many times have I said this? The one chart to rule them all. The one data point. I mean, there's been, there's been like five of these the last couple of years. Okay? Here is another. This is one of the most devastating pieces of data that I have ever seen. So we are talking about gas stoves. Since, since, <laughs> since, this, since this started in March of 2020, this is one of the most devastating pieces of data I've ever seen. This is a chart from the St. Louis chapter of the Federal Reserve. It is, as Aaron said in his montage, statistics that come from the BLS, the Bureau of Labor Statistics. They are who puts out the unemployment rate, First Friday of every month, etc. If you look at this chart, and here's what I think is so particularly damaging about it. Because, come back to me for a second, Aaron, then we'll go to the chart. Whenever we present this, these stark spikes, and we, we typically have done so within the context of things since 2020, or maybe even the couple of years before COVID, And whenever we present these spikes, I'm sure a lot of you have seen this on your own social media pages or conversations with friends and family members and coworkers. Um, Well, that's just COVID. That's long COVID. That's just a, that's a new COVID variant. I, I had somebody emailing me, email me this week who works in the medical field, who has doctors telling him when he presents this data to them, that's just the latest COVID variant. And he asked me how to respond. 
And I said, you can simply just go to a, approximately 5,000 websites right now and get the latest COVID fatality data. Still, you can still do it fairly easily for both, for pretty much any nation on earth and any state in this nation. And, and what you will see is that COVID deaths have plummeted. That's, that, that's what I've been trying to get our governor's attention about here in Iowa. I mean, I had, I had a guy who's a CEO of, of a bank in Iowa. Might be okay with numbers. At least I'm kind of hoping. If he's a CEO of a bank, kind of no, no hoping he knows how to run numbers and look at data and run tables. I know what you're going to say. Steve, you've been paying attention. Maybe too much to ask. I know you're. I know Neil deGrasse Tyson was telling us yesterday that the jab, America's foremost celebrity scientist, that the jab stops the spread. I, I know, but we're talking Iowa now, just where we live. Okay, in the same one of the same states left. Should we? Is it okay to assume that um, a CEO of a bank who used to sit on the board of the school you and I's kids go to might know a few things about how to run data? tables and numbers i'll allow it in this particular can we make an exception here i will okay he runs this these numbers for me and what he finds is through october our total excess deaths in iowa are well ahead of where they were in the years in the couple of years prior to covid how is that possible with the with glorious vaccine and their answer is always well that's long COVID or the latest COVID variant. So then I went to the next step and looked at Iowa's daily COVID death fatalities. And what I found is only once since March of last year did Iowa in a period of 280 days when he was running these excess death numbers. Only once in those 280 days did Iowa even have a single day with double figures in COVID deaths. That was July 10th. Only only that. And in that entire 280 day period he surveilled. So that wasn't it. I, I gave those numbers, or I, I gave that suggestion to this guy in the medical field. He came back at me and said, yeah, I, I shared that, and here's what they're saying now. They're now claiming that the COVID death numbers are underreported, that people are dying of COVID, and it's, um, and it's not being attributed to them. So we've gone from how many people died of COVID and with COVID, the conversation of 2020, Mm -hmm. all right, because they don't want to let go of the idol. This is a shibboleth of the damned, or as Todd likes to say, the magical power of vaccines working. It's black magic in this case. All right. This chart. So with all that said, that's what I think makes this chart so specifically devastating. Look how far out this data goes. This data goes out to 2009, so more than a decade, right? More than a decade of data. What you will see is from 2009 to 2020, that trend line looks pretty consistent. Pretty consistent. You have one massive dip there in 2014, massive as it compares to the rest of the trend line, I should say. Not massive compared to the trend line we have now, but massive as it compares to the rest of the trend line right right up to and then the the immediate years after that point. But then look, it pretty much other than that dip in 2014, this is a pretty consistent trend line of civilians. So non-military personnel, non-government personnel, civilians in the workforce 
who are reporting or missing work because of disability claims. All right, that's what this chart is. So you've got over a decade of data there. That, that trend line, if you're watching on Blaze TV or you're going to watch later today on Rumble, that trend line looks pretty consistent when you look at it, right? Yes. Nothing would alarm you. You might wonder, hey, what did we do so well in 2014 that we had this, you know, a somewhat precipitous dip in, uh, in, with the in disability issues? And can we uh, maybe emulate that? But other than that, that'd be the only year. If you were in charge of monitoring this stat for the, the Bureau of Labor Statistics, there wouldn't be much for you to bark at there other than what happened in 2014. Right. The, the rest of it would be pretty standard operating procedure, right? Right. And then we get to 2021. And this correlates to over 2 million. Over 2 million more disability claims within the civilian workforce since 2021 than where things stood with this trend line going back to 2009. That's a multi-sigma event. We learned this phrase when we all had to learn how to study data and virology and immunology in 2020. We learned this phrase, order of magnitude, right? Where the decrease or increase is so stark and heavy, just putting a simple percentage on it doesn't do it justice, okay? So, there, so you slap on the, by an order of magnitude. For those of us that went to public school, that means by a hell of a lot, Okay. That chart there, civilian disabilities and that increase. What happened? What happened in 2021 that led to that increase? Not just any increase. A multi-sigma event order of magnitude increase. And with that chart staring you in the face, let me ask this question. If attempting to mandate a poison upon the populace with non-existent powers that were later found to be unconstitutional by the U.S. Supreme Court, if that is not an impeachable offense for a U.S. president, what is? What is? I think you're setting the bar pretty low on impeachable for punishment, quite frankly. Well, ain't that the truth? After a fair trial. Of course. Of course. Of course, after a fair trial, of course. And by the way, an impeachment would be a, a fair trial. trial. There you go. Of course. Of course. But look at those numbers. Every American ought to be forced to see this chart today. Every last one. Every American... Like when you're trying to potty train your puppy and you can't make it, you can't make your point. So you rub its nose in its own poop. Every American should be confronted at that level with this chart. And I will tell you, Your ancestors went to war with redcoats for a hell of a lot less than that. Yes, they did. For a hell of a lot less than that. Nothing even close to that. Nothing even close to that. Two million more disability claims since 2021. 
I suppose we could go with the argument that, you know, with with three to nine months of shutdowns, depending on where you lived, a bunch of people just forgot how to work safely. And a bunch of people's OSHA standards weren't up to date and all kinds of claims and injuries occurred on the job. I guess you could try that one on for size. But then we would just go and see what where the OSHA claims are at. There's no way out. Only willful and wanton ignorance. Only cognitive dissonance. There is no logical way out with data like that, that chart. That is evidence that demands a verdict. But it's evidence that more people need to see, gentlemen, your thoughts. Well, and it's deeply sad that I can't uh, provide you any uh, light on the horizon in terms of the edge of that chart. That, hey, optimism, 2023, let's hope for the best. Uh, and yes, I still want consequences, uh, but hope- hopefully we can return back to normal. Listen, not only is this a specific poison in your body targeting uh, your heart, uh, causing these died suddenly immediately. But as McCullough, Cole, people we will endeavor to have on in the uh, coming once again on the show, have told you, this isn't leaving your system. It is attacking your immune system. So not only are you playing Russian roulette every day on the myocarditis died suddenly front, but the long-term look of this isn't any better either. It's not going away. It's not going to just work itself out. It is crushing your immune system as you speak if you took this jab. And to Steve's point, if that, if, if that does not get you focused on the proportional justice required for this so that this doesn't happen to your progeny, I don't know what will you know, I think most of the Branch Covidians will see something like this and come back with what that spook from the UK had for the TV presenter and say, well, you know, because of the pandemic, not because of the lockdowns where you forced everybody to stay inside and stay away from the hospitals unless they had COVID and stay away from their screenings and stay away from all of their preventative care. No, but because of the pandemic, a lot of people, you know, missed all of those screenings and a lot of them just happened to be cardiovascular rise. We can't put that together two and two. It's just quinky dink. A lot of Grant Branch Covidians will come back with something like this. So you mean to tell me that all y'all who said if the lockdown saved just one life, you're now finally admitting, you're now finally admitting that that was not the way to go. Like you said, there's, it's inescapable here. Now, of course, that's just a fig leaf. That's just a fig leaf. We all know what happened at the beginning of 2021 and increased in frequency. Look, look, let me put this back up there too. Man. Just about three-fourths of the way through 2021, there's a huge spike there. And then it gets even higher after that. What was going on about, oh, August, September of 2021? Mandates. Hmm. Boosters. Hmm. Things that make you go, hmm. I know, gas stoves. Yeah. Climate change. Yeah. They're really trying this on us. This yeah. this was the plot of Mysterious Benedict Society. They're doing it to us. Someone needs to show this. If you know Donald Trump, someone needs to show this to Donald Trump. If you know Donald Trump, you want him to be president again. Think he should be president again. 
it has to see data like that. Has to see it. I know there's this assumption that he's just going to run and run into this buzzsaw where the jab is concerned. You buy a newer car, it has like collision alert on it, right? You know, the, the, if it senses the road underneath you is uncertain or um, you're too close to a vehicle or another vehicle is suddenly uh, swerving into your space, the collision alarm will go off to, so that you don't have to continue within the treacherous path that you're on. You can pause. Take a look at, you know, what your surroundings and see if it requires a, you know, a hitting of the brake, a turning of the vehicle. You don't have, you don't have to commit to that action that you're being warned about. You don't have to. This doesn't have to end this way. It doesn't. It really doesn't. But if you know him, if you know people that do, that are in his orbit, that are close to him... Frankly, I don't know many. And then most of the people in Trump world that I did know well are going to go work for Ron DeSantis. Okay? So if you, but if you do, anyone within the sound of my voice, can you do the country and him a favor and show him that, please? That's data from the St. Louis chapter of the Federal Reserve. They constructed that chart from data, I should say. They're the ones that did the chart from data from the Bureau of Labor Statistics, the feds. Showing that. It doesn't have to end like this. Because the Florida grand jury's coming. And I can promise you, I think they've probably seen that chart. And others. Think Dr. Joseph Ladipo down there, the director of health at Florida. Think he's seen that chart? A couple of times. Probably a couple times. More in a moment. All right, let's bring him in. Good friend of the show. Dr. Andrew Boston, MD, Brown University Epidemiology. Good to have you back on the show, Andy, brother. Happy New Year to you. How you been? Happy New Year to you, Steve. There is a lot I want to cover with you. First and foremost, Aaron, I, I forgot to ask you this during the break. Can we throw that chart back up there one more time? Andy, have you seen this chart? This is from the St. Louis chapter. They did this chart. The St. Louis chapter of the Federal Reserve courtesy of data from the Bureau of Labor Statistics. These are civilian labor force disability claims within the last 16 years. And that's what I love about, look at the trend line here now, Andy, and and, and you know, as an epidemiologist, you know how to look at this data. Look at the trend line from 09 until 2020, except for a real improvement in 2014. That's a pretty steady trend line for more than a decade, right? Nothing that would alarm you. And then all of a sudden in 2021, look at this multi-sigma event that occurs. That's over 2 million more disability claims within the civilian workforce since 2021. Andy, can you think of a singular event or any variable that would have been introduced that might have caused such an incredible increase? 
Well, just <laughs> there, there are there are a few candidates I could think of. Um, you know, the the, the uh, what we we could argue just just to be fair, we could argue that uh, some of it is economic. Uh, people are 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 claiming disability uh, because they've lost uh, jobs. Um, uh, there's uh, there's a lot of health uh, fallout from from the COVID measures, from the lockdowns, um, but also, of course, is you know is the possibility of of, of injury uh, in there from from mass vaccination, absolutely, um, and, and and some from recovery from COVID too. Um, but yeah, I mean the, the 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 idea is though, Steve, is that none of those hypothesized causes. Should be verboten to explore. Exactly. I guess that would that would be the basic point. Exactly. You know? And when you get and the, when you when you get to the jab aspect of it, because you're right about all those other causes, that can create a perfect storm. But it's also hard to ignore within that escalating period that the escalation really takes off in the third and fourth exactly. quarter of 21 when the mandates and the and the first round of boosters kick in for for the for and the and the original variant that it was devised for is now extinct hard to hard to notice that whatever the trend line was until that point man it kicks into hyperdrive right around that window absolutely steven think about how this was attempted in sort of an ecological uh, observational study Using uh, EMS calls in Israel, um, and 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 you know, able to use more elegant kind of control, where they couldn't really see the spikes in EMS calls, particularly I believe in those under 40, um, during some of the COVID waves. But they but they could see them after after the the introduction of of primary series vaccination boosters, et cetera. You know, so so and 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 the paper was published um, in you know to to its credit, I think in 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 nature. Um, you know and it, and it's just it, it's kind of a hypothesis generating uh, kind of kind of um, uh, publication data. Um, but a absolutely, it needs to be discussed. I, I mean, the whole the whole idea is is to prevent. It, it, I'm sorry, is to present as much data as we can, offer some preliminary interpretation, and then start looking at you know at etiologies, particularly if we're talking about vaccine injury, you know, and, and the prototypical injury, you know, that 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 has grudgingly become accepted is is, is myocarditis, um, and you know the the data are accumulating. Um, at the basic level, uh, I think I've been able to identify um, close to a dozen autopsies that have been uh, published. And, and the pathologists, you know, they're always guarded in their assessments. But I would say there's, there's unanimity in these, in these autopsies that have looked at, you know, sort of clinical events that really look like um, post-vaccine myocarditis and then, um, uh, or, or have a su suggestion of them. And these cases, you know, unfortunately, come to autopsy. Uh, there, there's again, there, there's there's about a dozen that are in the literature now, where the where the where the pathologists are, you know, that's that's they again, they're always guarded in their statements, but but they say that that's the most plausible explanation for for the demise is is uh, is is vaccine failed vaccine myocarditis. I'm sure both as an MD and an epidemiologist, you were concerned about the state of credibility of public health in the country as a whole, the lack of trust an increasing number of Americans have it as a whole. And, and you start wondering, is this a one-off here? Did, did, did the, the worries of COVID 
Um, the, 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 the allure of never ending government funding through Operation Warp Speed and the promise of, uh, you know, uh, having regulators that many of them probably were already in the back, the back pockets of Big Pharma to begin with. But now you have the official kind of government wink and nod from the Trump administration to kind of look the other way, regulatory wise. We got to move along. We got to end this pandemic as fast as we possibly can. All these, all these bad impulses kind of collude together um, simultaneously into this perfect storm. So let's go back to the very beginning. Like the, the regulation process, the testing process, the surveillance process. I know you've been doing a lot of reading and research on this to, to, to figure out, can we find the spot here? Is it just this technology? Is it the regulation? The, the regulatory arms are flawed? Is the testing itself not sufficient? What did you find? I, you know, I, I, so obviously, you know, as someone who spent the better part of my medical career uh, organizing and conducting small to very large clinical trials, you know, I, I come, I come with that background and 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 with it, you know, a certain bias. So, but but what what I've been shocked to learn, uh, and I, 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 if someone can, you know, can edify me, I, I you know, it's, it's it's an exhaustive literature since 1955, but. I, I believe the only the only randomized controlled trial that I can find that lives up to what I think should be the criteria for all of them uh, was the landmark 1954 polio trial. And it was you know, it, it compared to what's happened since. I mean, you have to how, how singular, how monumental it was, Steve, just to give you a brief overview, essentially from April to June of, of uh, 1954, over 1.8 million children, 1.8 million children were enrolled in this trial. And it had a slightly complex design. There was a true placebo-controlled uh, portion of it. And then there was a, a number of just observational uh, controls. But it was a massive undertaking. By December 31st of 1954, it was over. The follow-up was over. Um, you know, and and who sponsored it was largely the Infantile Paralysis Society at the time, and 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 governments, local, et cetera, contributed to it. Um, and by 1955, a landmark paper was published in JAMA, Journal of American Medical Association. And what they found, Steve, was that, and again, because of the scale of the trial, they didn't have to worry about you know mild cases of polio, uh, serology for polio. The trial demonstrated with the, with the various control groups and the and the actively treated groups when it was unblinded, that the the vaccination had prevented 374 cases of crippling polio. That's a trial. Mm. That's something you can hang your hat on. Fast forward to the say five to 11 year old uh, subsection of the Moderna trial. Uh, I'm sorry, of the Pfizer trial that that was performed. First of all, it was 2,300 children. They were five to eleven. They, they did they did over recruit to their credit about twenty percent who had some comorbidity, mostly mostly obesity. What was the net result of that trial? Uh, it, they present they prevented thirteen cases of sniffles. Not a single child in that entire cohort was hospitalized, whether they got the vaccine or the placebo. And in fact, there was a subgroup of about ten percent or so that had a prior infection. They didn't even get the sniffles, regardless of whether they got the vaccine. You know, we had public health officials like Dr. Fauci uh, and Dr. Zha, uh, the dean of the School of Public Health here at Brown, and, and now the COVID czar, literally comparing pediatric COVID vaccination to pediatric 
polio vaccination. Hmm. I, I, I mean, so and, and, and I guess the take home message I would have, Steve, is that that's the standard. Now, polio was a scourge. It was killing and crippling children. Um, but the resources were, were put into it, at least in, in terms of how the trial was was uh, implemented. Um, you know, in this day and age with with, you know, inflation and, and, and costs and, and, and big pharma, um, COVID perhaps gone and, and passed now was the one opportunity to reproduce a trial of this scale. And think of what we would have learned, even if it didn't have to be 1.8 million. Uh, what, what, you know, if it, if it was a, if it was a nursing home trial, because after all, they they, they targeted children because that was the high risk population. For COVID, the high risk population was nursing homes, assisted living facilities. I mean, think think in terms of a of a scale even smaller than that of of, of a half a million nursing home United States uh, uh, individuals with with a placebo controlled design. We would have known, does this vaccine act in the high risk risk population? Because that's how you limit you know, the total numbers that you would need. In this highest risk population, did the vaccine actually prevent hospitalization and death from COVID? Period. End of discussion. And and it would and it would be clean. Then then, because because again, the idea is that it should be a targeted vaccination program. Then you would have, if, if, if that were true, that it actually had prevented COVID morbidity and mortality in a, in a, in a clear cut way. Then you would have then you would have said, OK, if we want to introduce, if we think this is important enough to do mass vaccination, we're now going to have to do a study because the populations you know, are much lower risk beyond beyond the elderly, beyond those in in um, in congregate care. We have to do a much bigger trial and basically do the same thing. And, and do, the, do the people outside the nursing home, do the people say, you know, under, under 75, do they benefit as well? I mean, it, it, this, but, but you see, Steve, this is not the model. I, I, I mean, it's, it's shocking to me. What's, what's the benign the model for vaccine trials? They, they, don't, they don't rely upon clinical outcomes. They Do- just don't. Dr. Boston, what's the benign, innocent explanation for why they would not follow the paradigm that you just laid out? It's a look. It's a, I don't want to underestimate what was done in 1954. It's 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 miraculous. It, 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 you know, um, it's it's extraordinarily expensive to do a, a, a proper trial on the scale you actually need to show clinical benefit uh, with with vaccines. Um, they also and they've gotten away with it, Steve. I mean, look at look at the history of influenza vaccination. People people scoff. Um, I think eventually they're going to get this way about the COVID vaccines, but uh, people scoff at flu vaccines, flu shots, and and you know they're they're they're, they're really the, the literature on them is quite clear. They're they're ineffective. They're just ineffective. They 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 don't seem to attach a toxicity you know to, to the vaccination, uh, and they haven't over over a long period of follow up. I mean there are some injuries, but they're not anything like what we're seeing with COVID. Um, but but the public accepts that basically they don't do much of anything. Yet they're still given on mass, Steve. And the one randomized controlled trial cohort, and it's small, the one randomized controlled trial cohort that was followed beyond it's a very it's a very interesting story because the original trial in the Netherlands actually showed you know during the very much like a COVID trial now, but smaller. You know within the few within the few months of the actual trial. Uh, I think they reduced the infection rates by about 50 percent. Um, th- because the, the Netherlands system is so centralized and, and, and socialized, they, they were able to do 20-year follow-up of just that trial cohort that was in that flu vaccination trial 
Well, and, and because it was small, it took so long to accumulate clinical outcomes. I mean, that's just the morbid reality of of epidemiology and clinical trials is you have to look at at, at uh, you know sad, tragic outcomes, hospitalizations, deaths, et cetera. None of the clinical outcomes on long-term follow-up were, were any different between the two groups, hmm. despite the initial, you know, finding and, mm -hmm. and and then and then that polyvalent vaccine, of course, got approved and became available. The long-term follow-up of that, you know, maintaining that randomized controlled trial cohort intact and doing long-term follow-up, there was no difference in mortality, all-cause mortality, no difference in flu mortality, no difference in respiratory disease mortality, no difference in cardiovascular disease mortality. Now, people will argue, well, what do you mean? You know, you, you, you took this small cohort and you followed about 20 years. You know, what, what happened in between? You know, but that, but it, I, I, I accept that. That is, a, that is a limitation, but it's all we have. Really, for 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 flu vaccine. I've got thirty within a randomized controlled trial design. I've got thirty seconds. What's the path forward here? What needs to happen next? I think this issue, this basic issue uh, of of why uh, vaccines are given to the public, approved by the FDA, without any benefit, clinical benefit. Does you know? Does does hospitalizations by infectious disease? Why are they actually reduced? Uh, deaths are they actually reduced? Deaths takes much bigger trials, but but something very hard, Steve. We can't go, you know, in, for, with this transient period that maybe an infection is 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 reduced, or even worse, there's trials where literally it's just you know, do you produce an antibody? This is not what we accept for drugs in this day and age. Mm -hmm. Drugs, as bad as drug trials are, they they have to. A new diabetic agent has to show a, re, a reduction in hospitalizations for diabetes, or even in, in, because it's such a risk factor for cardiovascular disease, even a reduction in cardiovascular disease. A, a, you know, a lipid lowering drug, the same thing is demanded. Um, a heart failure drug, the same thing is demanded. Does it actually prevent hospitalizations for heart failure? Um, I, it's just incredible that that this is not. The, it built into these trials of vaccines that they have to show a benefit in terms of hard clinical outcomes. Realize what he just said there. It's not a given that they have to show that before they are injecting them into you now. This is not my shock face, Steve. Dr. Andrew Boston, MD, Brown University. Good to see you again, brother. All right, we'll have you Take back. Care, you bet. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Reaction to what you just heard. Aaron, I'll go to you first this time. It is bordering on now... And it has been for quite some time, but especially now. We've talked about this the last couple of days. Every stinking day, we see something new like this chart from Bureau of Labor Statistics. Another person, another young person, perfectly healthy, drops dead. It's bordering on inconceivable. Inconceivable. Why? why people just continue to bury their heads in the, in the sand. And then you read the Old Testament in Israel, and then you realize there is no depths to which we could sink, to which some people will still not soften their hearts. I said off the air the other day, it just seems like since the start of the year, this thing has kicked up a notch, or two or three. The evil that has been perpetrated here will only will only be held accountable with equal or greater will to hold it accountable. Hmm. And right now, with very limited exceptions, and they are encouraging exceptions, and they are courageous exceptions, I don't think there's enough of a will right now to hold that accountable, at least to humble people 
at least to humble ourselves and say, yeah, we got to we got to change course here. I pray that's wrong. But so far, I don't see it. I got to get this in really quick. Please make sure when they come to remove the gas stove from your house, (laughs) that the technician is fully vaccinated. Great place to end it. We'll come back hour two Theology Thursday. We'll kick it off next. Back here with Hour 2, live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. I am Steve Dace. He's Totters, and he is Aaron McIntyre. You are you, and you can let us know what you think about what we think by emailing the show, steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Also, try liking us. Well, in general, it's it's a hard try, but give it a try. Uh, you can also like us on Facebook, MeWe, and Gab. Follow me at Steve Day Show on Twitter, Getter, Instagram, and TikTok. And then you can find me as well over on Truth Social, at Real Steve Dace on Truth Social, at Real Steve Dace there. If you're a podcast listener, we appreciate you so much. Thank you for being one of those. You're a big reason why we continue to get to do this program. Please, if you've yet to do this, leave us a five-star review as well as hit the subscribe or follow button on the podcast platform of your choice. And thanks to all of you that have done those things for us already. Big thanks to our friends over at Jace Medical as they came through to fill a a necessary niche. We learned the hard way. They will deny us life-saving drugs in order to impose their biomedical fascist state. And so who knows what the next venerable drug, I mean, they tried to tell us a drug they just gave the Nobel Prize to a few years ago was dangerous. They tried to tell us that a drug that they had um, approved for safety and distribution over the counter for over 60 years was now suddenly dangerous. Who knows what the next venerable drug they'll try to deny us is when they're trying to impose their agenda. And that's why you want to go to our friends over at Jace Medical. Get the Jace case. Five life-saving antibiotics, including amoxicillin. Right now we're in a shortage of that. Let's go Brandon, of course. So you can make sure that you are taken care of in an emergency situation. You're ahead of the curve, right? So just like you're getting prepared when it comes to food, your finances, get prepared as well when it comes to your health. The Jace case is doctor created and doctor recommended. Helps to empower you to take care of yourself and your loved ones. Whenever the, that could never happen here, happens here again. Get prepared with the Jace case today. Get $10 off your purchase today with the code DACE10. Promo code DACE10 to save $10. When you go to Jace Medical, J as in Jeff, J as in jump at this right now, uh, jacemedical.com, J-A-S-E, J-A-S-E, jacemedical.com, promo code DACE10 to take $10 off. So for Theology Thursday... We are going to begin, or resume, I guess we should say, a new series next week for Theology Thursday. I am growing increasingly confident that you will see the nefarious film here in about the next, uh, we'll say less than 100 days. I'll go with that for now. 
I think I think you're going to get to see the nefarious film in less than 100 days. So with that in mind, next week for Theology Thursday, we are going to return to the book that started it all. We will begin a weekly book study on a nefarious plot. We have not broken that book down, um, I think, since the book was released shortly after we hired Aaron was the last time we did. So it's been a minute. In a spell. We are going to go through a nefarious plot, the book that started it all, that inspired the film you're about to finally, after seven years, get to see. And we will begin that next week. So be ready to go next week on the show. All right. Begin looking back at a nefarious plot again. And I, I've, I'm a little, I'm a little nervous just about how close some of what we're about to discuss from that book that was written seven months ago how or seven years ago how how close it, it's going to hit home seven years later right it, it we may have to tap out on this one too like we did the scott atlas back after a few weeks might have to be this is just this is too creepy too eerie i don't know that we can tarry forth no but, no this is a different experience that that it's the fecklessness of everybody in the Scott Atlas book that that drove us True. over the, it, within yeah. a Republican White House. I don't know. This is Scott Atlas is walking around the West Wing with a life preserver, looking for someone to give it to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you guys want what? No, we good. Don't rock the boat, man. I'm I falling know. out of it. Don't rock the boat. We're, the boat is sinking. Don't rock the boat. I mean, he's literally walking around the West Wing hand, with, with a life preserver. Anybody want one of these? And everybody looks at it from Trump to, to Jared Kushner on down, Mike Pence. They all look at it and say, nah, we good. We good. Now, this is, I know you love Easter eggs, and there's going to be a, a bunch in this movie. But also this, for people who see the movie and watch this show, this, even if you've read the book, it's been a while. This will add steroids to one, at the very least, one particular scene in the movie that, for reasons of length, it can only be mm -hmm. like, if, is it even five minutes long? It's kind of a, it's kind of the book, right? Condensed within one five minute scene. And you know what I'm talking about, obviously. But this, this will add steroids to that. You can only do so much in the amount of time you had, but it's basically an ode specifically to the breadth and depth of the book. Now, I know what some of you are thinking right now. You're like, no, you're going to spoil the movie. No, no, no. no, no. The, the, the movie is not a strict adaptation of the book. The movie actually is a prequel that leads up to the book is what the movie is. So we're, not, we're actually not going to spoil the movie at all. That's the beauty of this. Okay. We are now when you see the movie, you are very much going to see the nefarious that the book presents you live and in living color. All right. You are very much going to see that. But the 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 storylines are different. And so in no way, shape, or form will the book spoil the film. If you've read the book, it's kind of like you're you've been given 3D glasses to go see the movie with. But you don't need to enjoy the movie with the 3D glasses mm -hmm. on. I mean, it's just, it adds layers, texture. So that'll begin again next week. Looking forward to that. This week for Theology Thursday, I keep a folder of 
questions you guys send me, uh, difficult theology questions for when we have an open week and there's nothing formally planned for Theology Thursday, let's delve into that folder and uh, pick one out, okay? Because I've gotten a lot of them over the years. We just don't have time all the time to get to them. So I've got like this list in case of emergency break glass for Theology Thursday, uh, theological conundrums, all right? And, and I went into my inbox yesterday to go through that folder and pick one for the show. And before I did, I was, I was responding and clearing out uh, the, new, the new stuff in my inbox since the last time I was in there. And I actually came upon this note. And I said, you know what? This one's tough. So this is the one we're going to do. Let's kick Theology Thursday off with a bang. All right? I mean, let's... Let's put Amen Corner right on the first tee. No warm-ups, all right? Let's go for it right here, because this one is not easy, and it's evidenced of the fallen world in which we live. Um, the individual who sent this said, it's not necessary um, to recognize me, so I won't. All right, He lives here in the Midwest. I watch your program daily on Pluto and on Rumble. I've been married for 52 years and my wife and I were discussing one of the Ten Commandments. Honor your father and mother. The question is, do you break God's law if your father or mother breaks many of the other Ten Commandments, such as molesting you as a child or any other child and not honoring them? I'll be waiting for your answer. We are living in an era. We're on, we're on to generation two now of the post-sexual revolution. So the, uh, the amount of homes in America that have not been tainted by that stain to some degree is scant. The, the amount of, therefore, new families that are started when a new generation of couples emerge and the amount of those couples that at least one of them is not carrying some damage or baggage from the carnage left in the wake of the sexual revolution is scant. It's one of the reasons why my wife is never short on clients over there, over there at Heartland Christian Counseling. We were, we were half joking about this in, my, in, our, in our small group last night, that our parents went from being paranoid. They were going to find out that we were having sex as teenagers to in our generation, when we find out our first thing, our first thought was, oh, it was it with a member of the opposite sex? Okay, relief. Then you get worried. That's, that's where we're at. Oh, yeah. You're gonna, you're gonna, you want to keep your penis and vagina? Okay. Whew. All right, that's good. Okay. Uh, that's, that's what's happened to the slippery slope around here, has it not? Yeah. So there's very few of us that are not tainted by this. Now, there is also nothing new under the sun. Also in our small group, we just finished studying Genesis 38. 
what is Genesis 38? Well, first of all, it's thousands of years before the sexual revolution. So they can't blame this one on Alfred Kinsey and Hugh Hefner. There is an ancient custom that ended up actually getting absorbed in the Mosaic Law. In the Mosaic Law, it's known as the Kinsman Redeemer Law. But in ancient times, pre-even pre Mosaic Law, it was known as a Leverite marriage. Didn't have a welfare state, didn't have a wealth redistribution program. And so one of the things they would do to sustain a family and a legacy, to stop a woman from falling, falling into widowhood uh, and old age where no one could take care of her and her family line maybe dies off, um, is the next male in line in a family, if the husband unexpectedly dies and the, and the woman is still of childbearing age, the next male in line in the family who is unmarried takes her as his spouse. The first son that they have would actually be credited retroactively to the, the father that died so that his family line would continue on. And then if you have any other sons, then those continue into your line that you have, you have now married her. That's not precisely how the kinsman redeemer law of the Mosaic covenant works itself out, but this is a proto version of it that eventually got absorbed into the Mosaic law. And this is how they avoided family lines from becoming distinct. You know, um, they avoided uh, uh, really unsustainable, unalterable poverty in the ancient world, particularly for women. That's how they did it. Judah, the oldest son, the largest of the 12 tribes, oldest son of, of Jacob. Judah, does, well, actually Reuben's the oldest son, but he's lost his birthright. So now it's Judah. And Judah refuses to follow through in giving his uh, widowed daughter-in-law to his youngest son. And so now her place in society is greatly threatened. So during the shearing season, this is when they'd go out, shear the sheep, very hard, grueling work. At night, the guys would kind of let their hair down. Revelry would take place. Prostitution was legal and abundant. You can guess how they blew off some steam, right? The daughter-in-law, knowing that her patriarch Judah has gone off into the fields for the shearing season and knowing what goes on at night of the shearing season, uh, where the women are left behind and the boys go on their own, uh, she disguises herself as a prostitute, waits to seduce her father-in-law, in the hopes that she will impregnate him or her, she will impregnate her. You know what? I can't get my pronouns straight in this day and age. He will impregnate her, sorry, uh, in order for her now to have a secure place in society with a child, with, a, with, a, with an heir that will take care of her in her old age and carry on her family line. Now, we have some trash TV soap opera plot lines in our day and age, right? I don't know that we have anything quite, even, even, even in our decadent wet days, 
I don't know that that series is on Amazon right now. I can hear the banjo music right now, quite (laughs) frankly. I mean, could you imagine if you walked in, and I finally did it to the poor Calvary Chapel Church in um, Chattanooga, Tennessee. I'd been threatened for years to go one day and go do a message at a church with those verses on Ezekiel about uh, you're like whores who slept with men whose penises are like donkeys and ejaculate is like horses. I did that, actually, to the poor unsuspecting crowd there at Calvary Chapel in Chattanooga. My bad. (laughs) Steve Dace bucket list. Check. Yes, yes. yes. Could you imagine walking in and saying, here's what today's message is about, all right? So the father-in-law here is going to leave the wife behind. He's going to tag the daughter-in-law and knock her up, which she wants to happen, by the way. It's completely consensual because she's described herself as a whore. Could you imagine if I walked in and said, this is what today's message is about? People would lose their minds, except that's what takes place in Genesis 38. Why do I bring that up? Because I think it is important for a lot of us, and this is, this is maybe, they had sexual dysfunction from the dawn of human civilization. Family dysfunction, tragedy from the dawn of civil, the very first family of human civilization, the brother kills his brother, murders him in his, with his bare hands and cold blood. I think it's important for us to understand that God knows what we've been through. That God is honest about what we have been through. The Bible is not what you think. It is not a book of these and thous. It's about a very real relationship between you and God and all the things that have gotten in the way of our relationship between him and us all this time. And it is brutally honest. In any other era, if we accurately filmed the Bible, all 66 books, Genesis through Revelation, it would be rated R. In this era, it'd probably get a PG-13. Okay? The, The difficulty is... When Judah is confronted with what he has done, right? Because the same law that said prostitution was legal in the community also said adultery was not. And so now that three months later, the daughter-in-law is showing she's pregnant. Hey, bring her out. Judah's like, absolutely, she should be stoned to death or even lit on fire. She committed a crime of adultery. And she's like, oh yeah, remember when you gave me a down payment with your signet? Yeah, the guy who got me pregnant, this is his signet. Whose signet is it? Yes. Thou art the man. Now, here's the difference. This, what I'm about to tell you, this is really the only difference between us and the society of Genesis 38, other than technological advancement. At at the heart of the matter, Don Henley, this is the only difference between these two societies, but it's a big one. When Judah is confronted with his sin, his response is to acknowledge it, accept reality, And he even goes so far as to say that this daughter-in-law of his, that he threatened to sentence to the worst of the worst as a woman with no family line in ancient times in a hyper-patriarchal society. He then says, she is more righteous than I. He's a sinner. He's not basically good. Total depravity existed 6,000 years ago too, right? Right. 
Yeah. But you know what also existed 6,000 years ago? Reality did. When confronted with the reality of his sin and what he has done, he acknowledge, it breaks him. He acknowledges it. We live in the age where we won't accept that reality. That's the difference right there. We don't accept the reality of what we have done that's bad and the bad things that have been done to us. So, brother, here's how this relates to the question or your story, maybe even. I don't know if you're just asking me this curiosity from uh, out of a curiosity angle or if you have personal experience with this. If it's not you, I am sure someone in this audience does. Because a lot of our families would not admit their sins. A lot of the fathers, the patriarchs in our families either were gone or didn't have the humility to accept reality of what they had done, we struggle to reconcile how justice and mercy can exist simultaneously. And therefore we struggle to trust God to wield both of them simultaneously. We have no experience with that practically. I didn't. I didn't suffer under Sexual abuse, thank God. Molestation, thank God. Certainly suffered under emotional and physical abuse. So what does the commandment, honor your father and mother, mean? The Hebrew word here that Moses speaks is one of esteem, value, and honor. Close to something you'd show royalty. Now, God gives this commandment hundreds of years after we see what a terrible father Judah is in the story that I just told. So we can't act as if God is shocked that there could be bad mothers and fathers, right? He, can't, right. Can't, he was aware of this when he made this commandment. Mm -hmm. So then how do we reconcile these two things? Even if you have the worst father you could imagine on earth his was still the seed that God used to conceive you and bring you into this world have you experienced anything good by being alive love significance accomplishment anything good anything Would you have been able to experience whatever those things are if you had never been born, if you were never alive? No. Have you done anything of significance for someone else? Have you loved them? Have you given them charity? Have you supported them? Have you defended them for any other human being in your entire life when they really needed it? Could you have been there for them without the seed planted by your father that led to your conception. Could either of those things have ever happened? Mm. No. Honor that. You will hear me be very honest about how I was raised, both good and bad. I should probably do it more, but you have also heard me say, I would not be where I am at, where I am without Dave Days. He was violent. He was abusive. That is true. Now, he's not even my biological father. But he raised me. And at times, he taught me valuable lessons and not 
accidentally, but proactively. The work ethic I have. Anybody who's ever worked with me closely will tell you, they will marvel at the amount of productivity I can do, the work ethic I have. They will ask me all the time, how do you do this? He did. Dave was a very good provider. We were never poor, homeless. Well, Steve, you said that you were on government sheet. That was before Dave came into the picture. Once Dave came into the picture, we were always provided for. We had to move a lot. You know, he was he worked with his hands when the Florida economy was raging. He went there in the 80s to build boats. When the construction economy in the Midwest came back and the, you know, shortly thereafter, we moved back to Michigan. We moved a lot. But he always had good work. He always provided. That set a good example. I'm not gifted and skilled at the same things Dave is, but in the things that I'm gifted and skilled, I have tried to emulate that example. My kids have never doubted that dad will provide one way or another. Never doubted that dad would have a roof over their head and food on the table. That was a given, and it was a given in my home, and I am very appreciative of that. I grew up with kids whose dads were much kinder and gentler. They were also lazy and didn't provide those things, so it's six and one half dozen of the other. I don't know my biological father well. I've tried to engage him over the years. I'm not really sure why he won't engage back. Nevertheless, if he did not impregnate my mom in high school, I wouldn't be here. Neither would the kids that I have. If our shows had any impact on you at all, none of that occurs if Tom Anania does not impregnate Vicki Wright late in the fall of 1972. So for that, I honor him. Am I, am I frustrated and disappointed that all these years have gone by and there's no connection there? Yes, I am. Should he be held accountable for that? As a father. Yes. Will he be held accountable for that by his heavenly father? Yes. Yes. But would whatever contributions I've been able, by God's grace, to make to any of you within the sound of my voice right now, or the people that know me, would any of those things have happened without Tom Anania and his seed? Would any of those things have happened? No. No. So I honor that too. And this is how we do justice and mercy at the same time. Because that's what God does with us. There's no more condemnation for those who are in Christ, meaning you won't be condemned, canceled, obliterated, annihilated, wiped out, separated forever from God's presence, from his assembly, from his covenant, if you're in Christ. Does it say there are no more consequences for sins for those that are in Christ? Does it say that? No. No, those are two different things, right? So yes, when the right repentance, when the right absolution has been reached for my sins, does God, because I'm in Christ, welcome me back into his assembly? Yes. Full-throated. But does he still hold me accountable for my sins until those things are realized and done? Indeed. Yes. I'm not condemned for them. I won't be eternally separated from him. But I will face justice. Justice still reigns. As does mercy simultaneously. So many of you in this audience, if, if this is you, if you were abused, you never got justice. 
There is nothing wrong with zealously wanting it. I think I've, I think I've demonstrated a zealous desire for justice in a few areas on the show in the last year. At the same time, though, do not forget this. Whatever good is in your life right now, maybe it's your own family, maybe it's your career, your calling, maybe it's a ministry, whatever good is in your life right now, you don't get to experience, share with others, and do, and do that good with and for others without the seed of that same father or mother that may have committed those heinous acts to you. That's what honor your father and mother means in the context of what you're describing, brother. Doesn't mean compromise your principles. God never compromises his. It means seeing the whole picture here. Because you know what happens when we don't see the whole picture and we let that spite and anger pile and pile and pile. The person that did that to us, whether it's a father or just a next door neighbor or anybody else, you're not hurting them at all. They're not even aware of it. You're piling on yourself. So even if this is your story and it's a tragic one, God is still good. The fact that you have the freedom to send an email asking such a question, to even to wrestle with such things. Evidence in and of itself that God is still good. Any thoughts before we get out of here? Well, I would say specifically to his case, since we're talking about the uh, fourth commandment, make sure uh, you have the first three commandments in order. We are dealing with the hierarchy of truth here. And you seem like you're wrestling with this potentially, not only because it's personal, but because it's personal, you've elevated the fourth commandment to the first commandment in your heart. And that's thing all of us do. We, we get it out of context. Let them inform one another. I think you will have a, hard, a much easier time handling this if that's in proper order. And this may have been a moment in time. You may wrestle with this all the time, some of the time. But you, you mentioned that you're 52 years married, so I'm guessing you're a man in your 70s. Um, it is time to put things on this front in their proper order. God will not disappoint you. Amen. We'll come back. We'll lighten it up a little bit when we do. Three non-political questions coming your way here in a moment. You know, when you're running your own business, you can encounter all kinds of precarious situations like getting complaints from employees, all the other matters involving human resources. And a lot of times you can't afford your own human resources director or department. And so that leaves you with some vulnerability in your business, but you don't have to have that there with our friends over at Bambi. B-A-M-B-E-E, Bam and B, just like it sounds. Bambi gives you access to your own dedicated HR manager starting at just $99 per month. Just $99 per month, and you can do it month to month. No long-term contracts as well. Uh, So whether it's onboarding, terminations, um, you want to help your team members reach peak performance, help your business stay in compliant with the latest Let's Go Brandon regs, whatever the case may be, take human resources off your plate. Get rid of the stress. Focus on just building a hell of business with our friends over at Bambi right now. Again, just $99 a month. 
and it's only month to month. Go to Bambi.com right now, B-A-M-B-E-E, Bambi.com, and type in Steve Dace under podcast when you sign up. Bambi.com, type in Steve Dace, my name, under podcast when you sign up. Take advantage of it today. And now it's time for three non-political questions. We all have questions. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? Who am I? A search and a question of identity. Why am I here? A question of meaning and purpose. Where am I going? question of destiny. Some better than others. What sort of morality or proto-morality would you expect to find in a chimpanzee troop? Injecting some levity into the demise of Western civilization. It's three questions on the Steve Day Show. It's been about uh, three weeks, three and a half weeks since uh, we've done three non-political questions. What did I do with all of that time? Put it off until the last minute. <laughs> I got so a, as I, you were. I have a brand. New York has a brand. I have a brand too, and that is, uh, you know, not doing these questions until the very last minute. You Question got, number you one. You got a raise, and you keep getting worse at this segment. So why would you change? That's a very good question. Yeah, you've been incentivized thusly. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Expect new levels of pain and suffering in this half-hour segment. Exactly. I have just begun to procrastinate. <laughs> yes. yes. Yeah. Uh, question number one. What's the most thankless job on the planet? And provide three reasons why that's your answer. Cleaning out the tampon bin anywhere. Self-explanatory. Got to provide three Unless you want to talk on the back end of the segment. Oh, three, three. So three. So three thankless jobs. Yep. No, three. Three of the most thankful, thankless job on the planet. Okay. And three reasons why it's the most thankless job. Um. Cleaning out the tampon bin anywhere. Um. For obvious reasons. For increasingly obvious reasons and then for even more ever-present obvious reasons okay you got one i yeah, know I'm you gonna, do because you i'm gonna jesus the hell out of steve right now. <laughs> go on okay a, a faithful pastor dude that's a great answer, actually. How's that for a Jesus juke? That, one, that a, that's a good Jesus juke. One, I'll, I'll accept it. It's hard enough to to remain faithful to to Scripture, so that's one reason. You know, without you know uh, remaining faithful in front of a crowd of people in your own flock. Yeah. Two, you got to walk into church, to the church building every Sunday morning, see all those shiny happy people. Most of the, let's just be honest. Most of them are putting on a show. Most of them, unless you have a really, really good church, which some, some of you do, but most of them, most of the people in your church are, are probably putting on a show to some degree and know what their issues are. Like that person's struggling with porn, that person's unfaithful, that person is a gossip, that person spread rumors about thus and such or me. So that's, that's one other thing about, about that as well. Uh, the third reason why this is the most thankless job is because... Most pastors actually don't get compensated super well, which it's not a job that you go to get compensated super well, but it's a really hard job emotionally, spiritually, and I don't think a lot of churches compensate their employees and employees it's and not, their, their staff super well. It's not typical for a faithful pastor to have washboard abs and 
vacation on the Riviera? Not faithful ones. No? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Todd. That's a great answer. I was going to say police officer, too. But. Yeah. If, if you're legitimately good at it, a, a sports official... Is a it, yeah. it's a pretty thankless job. I, again, this is something I've done professionally. Listen, and this a, a lot of them are not only bad, but in many cases, uh, in the case that my children play, dangerously bad. My daughter had bones broken because when it was dangerously bad. So this you deserve criticism when you're you know bad at anything on some level. But if even if you're really really good at it, you're still going to get yelled at almost all the time because it's a a very competitive uh contest and everybody is trying to get an edge as close to the uh, as close as possible without going over uh what is that bob barker steve from i is that uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, close without going uh, over yes, price is right going well over done. yeah bending breaking the rules and all that so it's um that that's that's one of my answers all right, question number two. What are the top three memories you made during our extended Christmas vacation? Top three memories made during our extended Christmas vacation for me. Number one is this was the first time we had Christmas with a married daughter and a uh, an interloper known as a son-in-law. <laughs> <laughs> I like him, though. Uh, but, uh, I mean, having... Um, we, we had portions of Christmas and holiday gatherings over break where we had a daughter with a husband, uh, a daughter with a boyfriend and a son with a girlfriend all together and all at the house and everything at the same time, you know? So that's the first time that's ever happened. So that, that made, you know, quite the memory for sure. Uh, and, uh, we just had a great Christmas and everything overall. And Amy and I kind of went out, went all out it's, it's possible. I don't know. Zoe, you know, graduates this year. She may decide to move out on her own. I mean, this might be the last time that we're able to, you know, and then Anna and Steven will be another year into marriage. I don't know if they'll have their own kids. I mean, I don't, who knows, right? You know, we're just at the age now where... Are you putting pressure on them yet? Not at all. Although, I'm, I mean, I've, I'm ready to be grandpa. I love kids, but no, we're not pressuring them. But um, you just never know. We're at the stage of life now you can't take for granted. I know a lot of you that have in-law negotiations and which holidays and who gets who, you can't take that for granted. And so we were able to get, have everybody together. My mom moved back as well. So um, that, you know, that's the first time that's happened ever. So that's a very uh, precious time and precious memory. So that would be number one. Um, Number two would be uh, the entire process of uh, of of working on the movie, um, and the reaction that the movie continues to get, I, I I didn't I didn't get clearance to tell you who it was, so I shouldn't, okay. But um, the father of a pretty big name in conservative media, a name you all would know, it would be a name everybody would know. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, he, we let him see the film last night and he called me this morning and was just blown away by what he saw and just getting that reaction over and over again, you know? And what I also love is when people, everybody, no matter what degree of like of the movie they have, everybody says that is surprise. It surprised me. It was not what I expected. 
right? So the movie is very subversive and I like hearing that, you know, from everybody. And so just, I'm trying now that we're in this last dash here to get the movie out. I'm, and, and now it seems like we're all going to be drinking from a fire hose for the next several weeks. I'm, I'm trying not to get overwhelmed by that and just take a deep breath and appreciate all these little steps up until release, you know, because those are going to be the stories and stuff that you tell, you know, years from now. And, uh, I just had a chance to have a lot more of those or a, a lot of those situations. Wait till y'all see the movie poster. We finalize that over the break. Wait till y'all see that. All right. That, that's going to send you a, um, uh, that's going to send you a message right away. This ain't your typical faith-based movie. All right. This is not what, uh, we thought it was going to be. You know, so that was really cool. Um, and I guess if I had to pick a third, I mean, what's more, what's better than either one of those two things? But I guess if I, um, I had to pick a third, I guess I would go with, <sighs> what would I pick? I guess I'll go back to, um, oh, yeah, Amy and I got a chance to take uh, a couple days away after Christmas. Nice. You know, just on our own and just uh, relax and chill out and plan out. Uh, and we've, we've done this before, plan out the new year in terms of schedules and budgets and stuff. And I will say this year's conversation was a lot different than all the other years have been. <laughs> I wonder why. <laughs> yes. So um, that would that's that's on the list as well. So those would be my three. Uh, getting um, my oldest daughter... Uh, home for the first time since taking her to college and thus making us the six uh, again was obviously a lot of uh, f fun L seeing the four sisters being the four sisters and uh, do their thing uh, and all three of these uh, do revolve around uh, Ainsley uh, my oldest as the pivot somehow because the second one is that she uh has been uh, dating the same guy for i believe a year and a half uh now and he's um continued uh to grow on me uh and impress me and he ha he went to uh college for one half semester but always had something else in his heart he's trying to honor his fa parents wishes and things like that but it uh came right down to it and he in less than a month now he will be uh joining the marines wow yeah nice. and so um but how you know having to go his own way explain that uh to uh my daughter who's obviously went her own way went to a college um far away to follow her dreams uh but he actually you know told her that um he gave her like you, you know i'm not gonna ask you to to deal with this if, if if you don't want to there's you know i'm i won't be able to visit you i won't be able to call you this is it for four years and to watch them work through that as young adults and uh, matter to each other that was pretty uh special to watch hmm. uh and thirdly my uh wife because my ainsley got to be home for about eight days instead of like the roughly a month that most college students so she had to go back to train for uh track the first meet of which is uh tomorrow but because she was like 
all alone in her student living for the most part. Only athletes are there and not her soccer roommates. They're at home because soccer's done. It was kind of a ghost town. And so we made the family decision that uh, we all went down there as a family uh, around New Year's, but then my wife would just stay back. She can work from home. And she, my, I got to see my wife and my daughter for a week interact on that adult level. They clearly had a good time uh uh, sharing uh, that together, but also you as a husband. I, I'm not sure if we've ever been apart from each other that long. We were, she was gone for me for six days. So then getting her to come back to me, that was kind of the last present of the, uh, the day's Christmas break to, to uh, get my wife back. And, you know, when, when they're gone, you do appreciate the little things in different ways. So those are my three. Excellent. Excellent. Those are good. I ate some green stuff in a lobster. Um, <laughs> a little overrated. My wife's face as we walked into Universal the first day. That was cool. That's a cool one. Yeah. Because she, uh, I, I don't think I've seen her ever that excited before. Because, I mean, last time we went, she was pregnant with Ben. So she couldn't do any of the rides. Uh, so she did get to do basically all the rides this time. So that was a lot of fun. That was a good memory. Um, and then Ben started walking, like actually walking, finally. Right before he was shipped off to the grandma's for a week, of course. Uh, but now it's now he's back, and it's like every single neuron in his brain is firing since he started walking. Hmm. It's like, look what I can do! <laughs> can walk with two hands. I don't know how, but no. Uh, so those were those are good memories. But uh, yeah, we had some uh, seafood for our beach day, and uh, we were told that the green stuff in the lobster is like a delicatessen. And I'm not getting lobster again for a long time. There's just not a lot of meat there, and it's super expensive. But it's very I mean, it was messy, good. too, if you're breaking it open yourself. It's very messy. Somehow I avoided that. Yeah. I don't know how, but some t- somehow I avoided that. One more, very quickly. What, and this is not the matchup that you want or don't want, what is the most compelling matchup for the Super Bowl and least compelling matchup for the Super Bowl? I, mean, I think the most compelling matchup is the one I predicted, uh, the Bills and the Vikings, just cosmically, teams that have not ever been able to win one of them together, 0-8, moribund franchises. Uh, I think that, to me, is the most compelling one, actually. Uh, I think probably among the the least compelling would be like if, um, um, like Seattle played, uh, if Seattle or Miami made it and played, uh, you know, one of the the top seeds, and either played the the Eagles or the the Bills or the Chiefs, and were like you know seventeen, eighteen point underdogs or something like that. I think that would be the the least compelling. Although uh, Minnesota might be a not that big of an underdog, but they would be at least a touchdown underdog. I agree. Yeah, they would be to either Buffalo or Kansas City. I agree with that. Yeah, I think the uh, the Bills. Like, for all the reasons you said, also with what happened with uh, Demar Hamlin, correct? Yeah. I think that's Should have mentioned that. Uh, I would say the uh, the the 49ers, uh, If th- this Bryce Purdy thing, local to us, mm-hmm. I mean it it it's it, it is the beginning of the Tom Brady story. I mean, 
if they go that far and you have that level of success and you are Tom Brady wasn't he wasn't a rookie he was in his second year so this is even ahead of that but yeah and Tom Brady wasn't Mr. Irrelevant but he was what six round or something like that pick 199 yeah but I'm not I'm not trying to put that on his shoulders but that I mean the guy is like he's he's like six and oh as a starter isn't he so far, or close to that. Yeah. It's in the, I think it's I think it's five and zero. Oh, but you I, might be I, right to see that pressure. I'd I'd love to see that game. And the I mean, there's good grief. There's some mediocre teams. I mean, I guess if they sneak in, who are they? Who are the wild cards? And like the the, the Ravens are the uh, Ravens, Dolphins, Seahawks. The teams I already mentioned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of combinations that would be here. Eh. I think the most compelling would be the uh, Chiefs-Vikings just because I think that would be a high-scoring game. That's all. And then the least compelling would be like 49ers versus uh, the Buccaneers or something. I just, I've had enough of the defensive slogs. Although the two quarterbacks, as you just mentioned, would provide some sort of a storyline there. All right, that's going to do it. We're going to stick around and do overtime for Blaze TV subscribers. For the rest of you, see you manana, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.